kind and very, very meaningful. Thank you for letting me. Uh. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh. Uh, it is an unspeakable privilege to be here. Uh, it is. It is. It is overwhelming. Uh, yesterday, the privilege to tour the facility. Well, I need to regain my composure. Uh, I shouldn't have to speak. <laughs> I am so honored to be here, but it was my preference just to sit out there with you, um, feel God's pleasure. Worship and give thanks and be affected. Uh, that would be my preference. But I, I do desire to serve you. And I, I do want you to know it is, it is an unspeakable privilege to be with you and to be the, the object of your affection and appreciation. Um, so thank you. I come this morning representing thousands, uh, thousands who wish they could be here right now, in this moment, with you. Uh, and I am here to represent them. They are the pastors and members of Sovereign Grace churches across this country and in 23 countries of the world this morning uh, who, who love you, who care about you, who have, uh, in a unique way, adopted you, uh, and who, on this day, celebrate the grace of God with you. I, I come this morning on their behalf to communicate their love for you as well as their indebtedness to you. Uh, they did have the privilege to serve you, serve you through praying for you, the privilege of giving to this church, the privilege of coming to this church to serve you. Uh, but they have also been affected by you. Uh, for to be here is to observe your example, and to observe your godly example is to be affected by your godly example and the transforming effect of the gospel in your lives. So I come this morning to communicate their love for you, to express their gratefulness to you for your example. You have affected them. Your Example has influenced the breadth of Sovereign Grace Ministries. And for that, they are grateful. And in my role for that, I am grateful. And I not only wanted to express their gratefulness and my gratefulness through those few, I hope, meaningful words, but I wanted to communicate uh, through just another small expression of our gratefulness, um, our love for you, our indebtedness to you, and <laughs> our joy as we anticipate the advance of the gospel in and through this church. So I think this is just another wonderful moment to seize uh, to present this check. And for our guests, uh, I'm not trying to impress you with this check or by the amount of this check. The reason I do this publicly is because I'm, I'm representing so many who couldn't be here. And this check uh, is not meant to impress anyone here, but to impress upon everyone here 
the love of Sovereign Grace Ministries for this church uh, in particular. So, Keith, uh, as a small expression of our gratefulness for you, the pastoral team, your wives, every member of this church, uh, please receive this this check for for $10,000 just as an expression of our love for you and our indebtedness to you. photo. We'll get an action shot. <laughs> that the crab cake. <laughs> uh, listen, it's one thing I have to do, want to do. Uh, we must do. And this is very much in your hearts to do. Uh, it would not be appropriate for us to proceed without seizing this moment to thank God for your pastors and their wives. That's what we're going to do right now. Uh, Absolutely. And for our guests, and let me add my voice to the voice of all the pastors. Uh, Thank you for coming. We are so honored by all of the guests who have taken time and made time to be with us today. And I would want you to understand that what we're about to do is express our gratefulness to God for these men and their wives, and the difference they have made in our lives. We are not assigning glory to these men. We assign glory entirely and exclusively to God alone and to no man. But it is appropriate. It is most appropriate. It would please and glorify God for us to thank and honor those God himself has provided As a means of grace. For we read clearly in scripture. And this is confirmed in our experience here in this church. That when the Savior ascended. He gave gifts to men. He gave men as gifts. He gave men. Some as pastors and teachers. As gifts to this church. Aren't you glad that when you turn to Ephesians 4 and read about the ascended Savior giving gifts to men, giving men as gifts, giving some as pastors and teachers, aren't you glad that, in effect, in your Bible, you know who some of those pastors and teachers are? But they're not just some pastors and teachers. They're your pastors and teachers. They're our pastors and teachers. And they are gifts of the crucified, resurrected, and ascended one, expressions of his love for this church. And apart from these men and their wives serving so ably at their side, this church wouldn't exist. This day wouldn't exist. But by God's grace, through these men, because of these men, this church does exist. And this day has arrived. And Lord, we are glad. We are glad and we want to appropriately communicate our gratefulness to these men and their wives. And we're going to do that in just a moment through our applause. What a wonderful gift applause is to communicate the passion that is resident in everyone's heart and the grateful present. So I'm going to ask these men and their wives to please come up on the stage so that they can be overwhelmed by all present who are a part of this church and guests. 
you can just go ahead and join in as well. Uh, because everyone here who is a part of this church, uh, they are indebted to these individuals for their godly example, for the way they have served in both private and in public, for the difference they made before the storm, the difference they made after the storm, and the difference they make the remaining days of their lives. For these men are given as gifts to the ascended Christ to watch over the souls of all who are present and serve this community with the advance of the gospel. They are gifts from God. And Lord, we want to thank you for these gifts. We want to express our gratefulness to these men and their wives. So, let them have it. Hold up just a second. Sorry to interrupt, but Pete, where are you? Where is you and your bride? Very good. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Please get up here. This would not be complete without you. Typically humble of you not to come up here. All right. You may begin again. Yeah. Thank you. Hmm. Amen. You may make your way back to your seats because I have to speak now. <laughs> it is a privilege. Please turn your Bibles to Jeremiah chapter 9. And we are going to spend just a few minutes reflecting on two particular verses, two particular verses that I think are wonderfully relevant to this day, this moment, and this occasion. The title of this message is simply, Deepening Our Delight. Deepening Our Delight. Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 23. For this morning... God will graciously address us. So let us give him our full and undivided attention in eager anticipation that by his spirit he will grant the gift of illumination to all from this passage. Thus says the Lord. Let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches. But let him who boasts, boast 
in this. That he understands and knows me. That I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, declares the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, what? Lord, this is truly and certainly the day that you have made. (laughs) You have made this day. And we as your people, oh, we are glad. We are glad. You have made us glad. Thank you for this day. Thank you for this church. Thank you for giving me the privilege to be here with this church and to experience this day. Lord, I feel your pleasure. And I pray today that I might, I might serve this church, that I might serve this church in some small way. Lord, I have appealed to you in private to assist me this morning so that I might serve this church effectively. Now I appeal to you in public and I'm grateful, Lord, that you are not reluctant to hear my appeals. You are eager to bless your people. You are most eager to bless your church. You are most eager to bless this church gathered on this day. And therefore, I proceed with confidence that as I preach this word and have this privilege to preach this word, you will be at work performing this word in our hearts and revealing this word to our hearts and ultimately glorifying your Son and his substitutionary sacrifice on the cross afresh this day. So, I commit this time to you, this message to you, and I pray that a divine perspective might be revealed so that we might please you, so that we might bring you glory today, so that we might feel your pleasure today, I pray and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, uh, this weekend is simply one of the most moving, meaningful, and memorable experiences of my life. I was thinking this morning that this weekend will be added to my short list of very unique days, very unique days that have been marked by God's unusual blessing. Here's just, here's just a sampling of what's on that list. Well, that list quite obviously begins with my conversion, which I remember vividly today as if it were yesterday when I first heard the gospel, when the gospel was first preached to my soul, when God acted upon my soul, when by grace I turned from my sins and trusted in the person and work of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of my sins, receiving forgiveness of each and every sin, as we were singing about earlier, and freedom from the fear of future wrath, for in my place condemned he stood. So that's where the list begins. Continuing on, next addition to the list would be 
uh, my wedding day and each anniversary day since my wedding day. And there have now been 33 sweet anniversary celebrations. Um, Next on the list would be the birth of our children. Cole, Kristen, Janelle, and Chad. Next on the list would be Brian and Kristen's marriage. Cole and Steve's marriage. Mike and Janelle's marriage. Next on the list would be the birth of seven grandchildren. (laughs) Next on the list would be the birth of Covenant Life Church. Next on the list would be when Covenant Life Church moved into their new facility, a day not unlike this day. Next on the list would be the 25th anniversary of Covenant Life Church. Next on the list would be that Sunday when I had the privilege to identify and install Joshua Harris as my replacement to serve as senior pastor of that church. Next on the list would be shooting a 76 at Carroll Valley. Stuff like this had to appear somewhere on my list. Shooting a 76 at Carroll Valley and beating, and I was reminded of this earlier, beating my very good friend and fellow pastor, Robin Boisvert. He shot a 77. <laughs> I shot a 76. Robin shot a 77. Maybe a little background will help you as well. Robin played golf in college. I did not play golf in college. Robin is an excellent golfer. I am not an excellent golfer. Robin is a proud, excellent golfer, and I am a humble, poor golfer. But on that given day, this humble, poor golfer, no doubt as a means of discipline in Robin's life, shot a 76 because God knew that there's no one, rather, oh, there's no one more horrific in Robin's thinking to lose to in competitive golf than me. And so on that day, we played together and I shot a 76. And so it appears on the list. And it's a, it's a diverse list. And today there's another addition. There's another addition to that list. This weekend has now been added to that list. And you know what? I now have the difficult task upon returning home of trying to describe for people at home what took place this weekend. (laughs) Here's what I know about this weekend. This experience exceeds my vocabulary. I think capturing this experience in words is a most difficult task. I'm sure I will find myself saying to those who inquire, and many will be inquiring, uh, You had to be there. You had to be there. I cannot describe what I experienced. You had to be there. You had to be there. You had to experience it. It's easier easier to experience it than it is to explain it. You had to be there. You should have been there. I can't describe what took place, but here's what I want you to know. I'm so grateful I was there. And so I want to thank you for inviting me to be here. It has been an unspeakable privilege to walk through this facility yesterday and feel God's pleasure. 
to review history with your pastors yesterday afternoon, both their conversion story and their involvement in this church, the history of this church. I feel like the entire time I have been here, I've been walking on holy ground. I have simply cried my way through this entire weekend, right up until this very moment. So this weekend, as a result of your kindness, thank you for inviting me, is now added to that list of those just unique days and experiences where God's mercy was so present, so evident, and so extraordinary. So, how are you going to answer when someone inquires what this was like? Someone who wasn't here, someone who wanted to be here, someone cares about what is taking place here, and they say to you, what... Well, tell me what it was like. See, I'm already trying to think and anticipate how I will answer. And I know this exceeds my vocabulary, this experience. But here's what I've come up with. What was it like? What was it like to be here? Here's what it was like. Joy unspeakable. That's what it was like. Joy unspeakable. A joy that really, at least for this uneducated man, defies description. I stand before you, man, with a limited vocabulary. I am not eloquent. You just heard eloquence a few moments ago. Oh, were we well served. Joy unspeakable. Even though I can't describe this joy, I am certainly experiencing this joy And let me assure you that joy is the appropriate response to this day. Joy is the appropriate response. Joy is the appropriate biblical response. We read in Ecclesiastes chapter 7 verse 14 that in the day of prosperity, be joyful. Joy is the appropriate biblical response to the prosperity that has been graciously provided by God. Here's what I want to do with you this morning, just for a few minutes. See what? For a few minutes this morning, I want to examine this joy resonating in our hearts. I want to examine it. I want to evaluate our joy because, listen, there is is the potential for our joy to be merely circumstantial. There's the potential this morning for our joy to be superficial, circumstantial, temporal. That potential does exist. And I, on behalf of your pastors, want our joy to be biblical. I want our joy to be theologically informed joy. Theologically informed joy. Substantive joy. Not superficial, not circumstantial, not temporal. So, here's my purpose this morning. My purpose is to deepen our joy. That's what I want to do. If possible, I want to deepen our joy. I want to deepen our joy this morning by informing our joy with biblical content. So that we have theologically informed joy. I want to direct our joy to its proper object. So, please don't misunderstand. I don't want to dampen anyone's joy this morning. I do want to deepen everyone's joy this morning. So, how can our joy be deepened? How can our joy be deepened this morning? Is 
the deepening of the joy we feel now even possible? I think it is. I think it is. Here, here is how our joy can be deepened this morning. I think our joy is deepened through one personal humiliation before God. Personal humiliation. And secondly, God glorifying exaltation. I think our joy can be deepened this morning through humiliation and exaltation. And Jeremiah 29, verses 23 and 24, is uniquely suited for this very special occasion to, to in effect, do just that. Jeremiah wants to lead us along a path and in a process in order to deepen our joy. And this path and this process is quite plain and quite evident as we read this passage. From this passage, rightly understood and specifically applied, our joy on this unique day can be deepened. Deepened through personal humiliation and God-glorifying exaltation. Briefly, first, personal humiliation. Now, please, please don't misunderstand. For most of us, when we think of humiliation, we immediately think of some particularly embarrassing moment or experience. Actually, if you, if you want to play word association with me and you say humiliation, when I think of humiliation, I immediately think of golf. I do. I think of golf because anyone here who knows golf or plays golf is aware that humiliation is a part of golf. Regardless of how good you are in golf, you will be humbled by golf. If you play golf, golf will mock you. Golf will <laughs> humiliate you. Okay? If you, if you study the content of professional golfers and what they communicate, let's say after they play a round or after they finish a tournament, you will find that golf will be the only professional sports where the athletes participating in the sport use the word humility, humble, humbled, humiliated regularly. You won't find that in any other sport. But you do find it in golf because all golfers, even Tiger Woods, are familiar with being humiliated as they play golf. I am very familiar with being humiliated. There isn't a time I play that I am not humiliated. There isn't a time I play that some shot occurs and I think, if, if I had one million attempts to do that again, I could not duplicate what I just did. I try to convince myself, CJ, it takes skill to hit the ball sideways, okay? When you're standing this way, addressing the ball, intending to hit it that way, and the ball goes that way, that is a unique skill that is not sufficiently appreciated by the broader American public. When I say humiliation, I'm not thinking of those moments, those moments when we provide entertainment for our friends. No. Appropriately understood, humiliation means the following. It means to reduce to a lower position in one's own eyes. Humiliation means to lower, to deliberately and intentionally lower, listen, the estimation of myself. That's what it means to walk humbly before God. And listen, this is particularly relevant in the midst of prosperity. Particularly relevant. Critically important in the midst of prosperity. You see, prosperity is a gift. Prosperity is a gift we do not deserve. Prosperity is a gift from God we as sinners do not deserve. Prosperity is a gift, but prosperity is also a test. 
Prosperity is a gift, and prosperity is a test. And so when one encounters prosperity, one experiences certain subtle temptations in the midst of prosperity, in the day of prosperity. And Jeremiah, in this passage, reminds us of of the path along which our hearts might be tempted to run even this day in the midst of this unique prosperity. And if we run along that path, well, that path will rob us of our joy. Here's here's a common, if not the common, temptation in the day of prosperity. Here's the common temptation in the day of prosperity. Assuming that prosperity was the fruit of human achievement and in the midst of prosperity, forgetting divine provision. That's the common temptation in the midst of prosperity. And we as a people would, well, we would do well to heed God's warning to the Israelites this morning in Deuteronomy 8. He was, God himself was anticipating their temptation in the day of prosperity as they would inherit the land. And he graciously warned them, beware, beware on that day of prosperity. Beware on that day when you inherit the land. Beware, beware lest you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. Take care, says the Lord, lest You forget the Lord your God. Now, so there is no misunderstanding. This is not meant to be a corrective word to this church. All I've encountered from my moment of arrival at this church are humble individuals who are taking care not to forget the Lord taking care to assign all glory to God. So this is not meant to be, intended to be a corrective message. Think of this as a preventative message. But it's an important message and a necessary message because indwelling sin lives, remains, and is active. And I do not want that sin to rob any of us of the joy of this moment and this time of prosperity. See, I think these past three weekends are intended by God to be actually humbling experiences for us. Humbling as we consider the mercy and grace of God. Humbling as we consider the faithfulness of God to us. Humbling. See, we're not celebrating self-effort. We are not celebrating human achievement. No. This... These three Sundays are not exercises in self-congratulation. No, your pastors are leading you wisely and skillfully, carefully. They are theologically informed and their words are very careful when they communicate here. I love listening to them. They are providing you with the best possible leadership so that in the midst of this prosperity, in the midst of this gift of prosperity, you pass the test of prosperity and please and glorify God as the recipients of this prosperity by humbling yourself in the midst of prosperity and not forgetting the Lord who has graciously provided all of this prosperity. So, let not, number one, the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. The existence of this church, the fruitfulness of this church, cannot be explained by or attributed to human 
wisdom. The existence of this church and the fruitfulness of this church can only be explained by the wisdom of God. And the pastors of this church would be the first ones to amen those statements. So we have not gathered this morning to boast in human wisdom. We are grateful to God beyond words for the pastors of this church. But we have been led not with human wisdom through this season and process. No, we have been led by wisdom from above that these men have humbly acknowledged. And therefore, this morning, I want, I want this. They want this to be clear to all present. But you know what? As I preach, I'm preaching to the audience of what? Lord, we want this to be clear to you. We have not gathered to boast in human wisdom. Here's the harsh reality in light of our sinfulness. Here's the wonderful reality in light of God's graciousness. All that has happened in this church and over the entire history of this church has happened in spite of our sinfulness. In spite of our weakness. In spite of it all, God himself has been merciful to us and to this church. And so this weekend is not a celebration of human wisdom, human leadership. No, though we are, we are deeply and profoundly grateful to the pastors God has provided. And that gratefulness was most appropriately expressed a few moments ago. Ultimately, we are most deeply and most profoundly grateful to God and the mercy of God. And we gather here this day perplexed. Aren't you perplexed? You should be. We should all be perplexed. Because if we examined our lives and evaluated our character and conduct in light of the holiness of God, well, I ask you, in light of the holiness of God, why would God bless us? It's the mystery of His mercy. And it should leave us. See, we should be the most humble people anyone encounters when recalling the history of this church. No one you talk to this week or over the coming months should in any way perceive moral superiority in your soul as you relate the story of your church. No, they shouldn't. Somebody said, well, why did God bless this church in a way and not another church in a similar way? My response is, I don't know. I have no idea. You see, because I'm the worst sinner I know. I'm more familiar with my sin than anyone else's sin. And so I would argue I'm, I'm the most perplexed that I get to be a part of this this morning. Because if I would argue on the basis of character as I observe and perceive it in others... There are others far more qualified than I am. Why do I get to be here? Mercy. So it would be particularly grieving if I ever boasted in my wisdom, my background, my experience, if I ever uttered a single statement that in some way left by subtle implication, yes, we are grateful to God, but 
I played an invaluable role. Not true, CJ. Any role you played was an expression of the mercy of God and should leave you humbled and perplexed. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Nope. There be no boasting in our might. The existence and fruitfulness of this church cannot be cannot be explained by or attributed to human strength. Can't be. Can't be done. Can't be done. Listen, wherever you're sitting right now, wherever you are seated in this auditorium, either right next to you or certainly right near you, is someone whose life has been dramatically transformed. They are all over the joint. (laughs) Their lives have been transformed not by the might Of leaders or friends. Now, their lives have been transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Their lives have been transformed by the person and work of Jesus Christ. There's a change that has taken place in their lives that cannot be, should not be, must not be attributed to anyone else. Yes, God uses individuals as means and those Individuals as means are vital to the church and not optional for the church. But let's be clear. There is, (laughs) there's quite the difference between the God of all grace and those he uses as a means of grace. And though as a leader you can plant and as a leader you can water, Scripture is clear, only God can make anything grow. So if anybody's changed, only God. Only God. Only God, honestly, I, a number of you have overwhelmed me with your encouragement. You've referenced past messages and thanked me for this message and the difference it made in your life. And I just want you to know, it just leaves me in tears. It leaves me perplexed because here's what I'm aware of. I don't have that power. What you describe, I'm so grateful. It could only come from God. It is the work of the Spirit through the means of grace, the preaching of His Word, and look at the change it has wrought in your life. Here's what I want to say before we part. Just one more thing. Thank you for your encouragement. Oh, by the way, only God. Only God. So, in particular for our guest, these aren't a group of leaders gathered in private or public saying, hey, we've done good, Nux. Let's give Nux. Check it out. Check out the work of our hands. No, no one is more perplexed than your pastors. And your pastors know that the changes that have occurred in your life are because of the gracious gospel of Jesus Christ they've had the privilege to proclaim and the difference that gospel has made in your life. So, let not the mighty man boast in his might. Finally, let not the rich man boast in his riches. The existence of this church, the fruitfulness of this church, the existence of this facility... And the fruitfulness of this church in and through this facility cannot be, cannot ultimately be explained by the generosity of this church. Now, please don't misunderstand. The generosity of this church has been stunning, has been a compelling example and 
The generosity of this church is being spoken of in church after church after church after church. You've been studied by so many churches. You are unaware how many churches have been studying you. And you will only be aware of your influence on that last day when the Lord himself rewards you. You have been studied and you are a provoking example. And I just want to, I just want to give you a little preview of that last day by saying, well done. Well. Oh my, through your generous, sacrificial, and joyful giving, oh, you have made a loud statement that you love the Savior with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And that you are not bowing to the idol of money in this lifetime. Oh, you not only have riches that are present all around you, you are storing up riches for that last day. And I commend you and celebrate this. But I must also add Well, there's another sentence, and it's very important. Ultimately, all you've given, so generously and sacrificially and joyfully, um, it all came from God. Yeah, all came from God. I mean, how cool is God? I mean, it's not as if he is dependent on us or needs us, but he, he lets us play. He gives us stuff and lets us play. But in a passage like this, he says, you know what? As I give you stuff and let you play, don't forget the difference between us. Don't forget the source. Don't forget the object. Don't boast in your riches. I find David's words to the children of Israel at the conclusion of their generous and joyful offering for the temple of Solomon to be most relevant to us on this day. David says humbly, but who am I? Who am I? He says to the Lord. And who are my people that we should be able to give so generously as this? Listen, everything comes from you. And we have given you only what comes from your hand. Oh, that's right. So we do not gather to boast in our riches. We actually gather to be freshly humbled. And as we freshly and specifically humble ourselves, we are surprised to discover that our joy is deepened. Not dampened. Deepened. Our joy is deepened through humiliation. Secondly, God-glorifying exaltation. God-glorifying exaltation. Jeremiah in this passage is real clear. It's real clear. Not this, but this. Not this path. Don't walk along that path. Walk along this path. He directs our path to God-glorifying exaltation. Derek Kidner, in his commentary, says the following. In contrast, verse 24 presents, I love this, a wealth of solid joys. As we turn our attention to verse 24, we're we're running into solid joys. These are solid joys. This is not superficial happiness as we encountered in verse 23. Nope, we're transitioning to solid joys and lasting treasure Here, here, and hereafter. Oh, how cool is that? Solid joys here, oh yeah, and by the way, and hereafter. Now and in eternity future. So, don't want anybody to be confused this morning. We, boasting isn't optional. We are commanded to boast. So, boasting, listen. Theologically informed boasting isn't simply permitted or allowable. Oh no. It is commanded. You did a great job of it earlier. 
I think we're going to come back to it in just a moment. We, we have got, make no mistake about it. We have gathered to do some boasting. Absolutely. Every Sunday exists for the church to come together and gather to do more and more boasting. We are preparing for an eternity of boasting. And in this passage, we discover the biblical content of our boasting. No, we do not gather today to celebrate ourselves. We gather today to celebrate the greatness and the goodness and the grace of God. Let him who boasts, boast in this. Boast in this, that he understand and knows me. See, because that phrase, again, should (laughs) humble us and overwhelm us. Because any knowledge of God we have is an expression of the mercy of God, not the result of moral superiority in our lives. We did not discover God. He wasn't hiding. He revealed himself to us. And he revealed himself to us through the gospel. How is it one knows and understands God? We know and understand God through the person and work of his son. And in this passage, Jeremiah uses three great theological words used really throughout the Old Testament to describe God's character. And all three of these words find their fullest expression in the cross. God's love, God's justice, and God's righteousness. Love, justice, and righteousness. So in effect, verse 23, you could just say, we encounter three fading glories. A man boasting in his wisdom, boasting in his might, boasting in his riches. Those are three superficial and fading glories. In verse 24, we encounter three unfading glories. All gifts to us and so undeserved, so undeserved, particularly in light of 23, light of all we read in verse 23, all we read in verse 24, so undeserved. God's love, God's justice, and God's righteousness. God so loved the world that he gave. God so loved the world that he sent his only son. God so loved the world that he sent his son. God so loved the world that he crushed his son. He crushed his son under the weight of his wrath and with our sin as the defining demonstration of his great love. God's justice. Yes, God's justice was revealed on the cross as well. He poured out his wrath on his son for our sin. He poured out his wrath on the innocent one. His wrath we deserve poured out on him for our sin. So that, so that he might be the just and justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. And his righteousness is ultimately revealed on the cross as well. Paul writes, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed. That's what the gospel reveals. The gospel reveals God's love and God's justice and God's righteousness. And brothers and sisters, (laughs) in this we boast. Oh yeah, yeah. This is biblical boasting. We do not boast in human wisdom. We do not boast in human might. We do not boast in human riches. But we do boast this morning in the amazing grace of God. And how relevant is that boasting on this day as we celebrate the provision of this building? Listen. Let me finish with this. This building, 
This building reveals a greater reality. This building reveals a greater reality. Look around for a moment. Look around. Let me ask you something. Look around. What do you see? Well, you, you see the obvious. I mean, it was so appropriate to honor the architect. What wonderful work. I mean, listen, when, I, when we first drove to the property and I first saw the building, I think my immediate response was, that is striking. I think I said strikingly beautiful. It is indeed. And I haven't even seen it at night yet, except in that photograph. Whoa, how cool is that? And I commended the guys for not having sorry cheap light bulbs in the lanterns, but instead, like real fire coming out of there, which I thought, (laughs) absolutely wonderful and authentic. And it's not difficult for me to imagine those driving by, even while we're meeting and saying, that is a strikingly beautiful building, and then wondering, what's going on in there? So when I look around outside, that's what I see. And when I walk in, then, oh my, the color scheme, the warmth, the beauty. This building is so functional. You go from room to room. As you go from room to room, you're just realizing, yep, gospel is going to be transferred to people in this room. Yep, gospel is going to be transferred to people in this room. Yep, gospel is going to be transferred to people in this room. Church is going to be built in this room, this room, that room, that room. Every room, the church is going to be built through the advance of the gospel in every room of this beautiful place. Okay, that's what I see. I'm sure that's what you see. But surely we see more than that. If you're a member of this church, you must see more than that. You must see beyond the reality of this beautiful facility. You must see more than this facility. You must see the greatness and the goodness and the grace of God. That's what you must see. See, if you're a member of this church, you cannot drive by this church. You cannot walk into this church. You cannot sit in this church without seeing beyond the beauty of this church to the God who so graciously provided this church. This church speaks of a greater reality. So that when a member drives by this church, a member doesn't say, what a building. A member says, what a savior. That's what the member says. As the member drives by this church and when the member comes into this church, the member doesn't simply say, what a beautiful auditorium. No, the member says, you know what? I want to sing beautiful savior because when I observe this auditorium and what takes place in this auditorium, I am reminded of the beautiful savior who has provided this. So every part of this facility, every piece of this property should remind those who are members of this church of a greater reality than what we see. See, I look at this church and I think, I see the faithfulness of God. I see the grace of God. I see the mercy of God. What a God. So we're called to boast. Called to boast. We're commanded to boast. Let the boasting begin. Let it be passionate. Let it be loud. Let it be theologically informed. Let it be humble. Let it be full of joy. May our joy be deepened. As we freshly humble ourselves before God. 
May our joy be deepened as we turn away from any tendency to assign glory to any man for what has taken place here. May our joy be deepened as we turn instead to boast in the Savior. May our joy be deepened as we say individually and together, this is the Lord's doing and it is marvelous in our eyes. May our joy be deepened as we say together, not to us, not to us, but to your name, Lord, be all the glory. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, you have made us so glad on this day. In response to your grace, we want to please you. We want to bring you pleasure. We want to glorify you. And we thank you for this clear instruction in your word, how we can avoid grieving you, how we can instead bring pleasure and glory to you. Therefore, Lord, we renounce any and all identifying in human wisdom, human strength, human riches, the source or explanation for what we observe here this day. No. Now we recognize the root of those inclinations is pride and self-glorification and we hate it because it offends you it's grieving to you and it's wrong it's not true so instead we turn our attention away from those sinful tendencies and say we boast in you this is all from you This is all because of you. This is all for you. Not to us. Not to us. But to your name be all the glory, Lord, for all that we celebrate here this day. And as we boast in you, may the joy of everyone present be deepened and not dampened. And may that joy endure. And Lord, whenever that joy subsides, may we apply this passage to our hearts and examine our hearts for whether or not we have in the day of prosperity forgotten you. And if that happens, may we quickly repent and instead immediately remember you have been so good to us. Thank you for sending your son to die in our place for our sins. How can we thank you enough for pouring out the full fury of your righteous wrath against our sin on your innocent son in our place? Placing our sin upon him. He took the blame. He experienced the wrath I deserved. Why? So that in the mystery of your mercy Sinners like us would be forgiven of our sin, freed from fear of future wrath, to spend the rest of our lives and throughout eternity 
boasting in you. Receive all the glory for all you have done. Father, in Jesus' name, amen.